This is Seattle Sports Diaries Podcast. Now, here is your host, Mike, and the rest of the SSD gang. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of Seattle Sports Diaries. I am your host, Mike, and joining me as of always is my lovely Mariners co-host, Matt. What's going on, brother? Hey, man. How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad, man. Just uh, hoping for some... uh... Oh, we got a dog cameo in the back. (laughs) That's my dog, Charlie. I I thought it was Chance from Homeward Bound for a second close <laughs> it looks just was, like him very close that was very close uh, uh to everybody though uh wondering of uh, the uh, banner down here be sure to uh subscribe to bs commentaries on youtube and follow us on apple Podcasts and spotify and don't forget to also uh, subscribe to the uh, uh seattle sports diaries youtube account and follow us on google or uh, apple and spotify as well and we just put out a brand new episode of uh, bs commentaries uh the uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Season Zero anime, the guys, both me and K-Hart, got into episodes 15 through 21, and I'm not going to lie, we suffered. <laughs> we, no, no, Matt, it was, it was so in, it was hard to watch. It was very hard to watch because of how bad the the episodes that we watched were. <laughs> but um, I, I want to say that it was almost, it, it kind of compared, it almost compared to watching Mariners baseball. Jesus. It really <laughs> nothing's that bad right now. I don't know. I think I think it's pretty bad, but uh, no, we're uh, going to be having a guest here uh, very soon. Jason Churchill from uh, Prospect Insider. We're going to be uh, having him on here in a second. Uh, hopefully he joins us here in a little bit, but uh, we're uh, going to be talking about, uh, of course, the Mariners struggles, just the just these, these recent struggles. Uh, you know, the Mariners have. You know, last week we came into the podcast, the Mariners had won uh three or four straight series mm-hmm. four straight series i thought we were back on track i thought we were back on track too i really did i i really really thought that we were back on track and uh it i just it just does not seem to be uh working out for this team and uh you know so i want to go so jason churchill he just ch- texted us uh it's gonna be 30 seconds till he's on but i want to matt before he gets on i want to point this out um you know the season's not over. We we have ninety eight games left. That's, that's still a lot of baseball. That is that really is a lot of baseball when you think about it. That is a lot. But it but, could um, get a lot worse. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I'm know I'm in that mood today. Like it's just it's just gonna get a lot worse. I think so. But um, I mean, no one has shown any improvements really. No, no. and 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 here's the thing. Uh, so again, uh, let's go ahead and welcome in our uh, special guest today, Jason Churchill, Prospect Insider. What's going on, Jason? Hey guys, what's happening? Sorry, I'm uh, a couple of minutes late there. Uh, no worries, no did, worries. Did, did uh, you know that it rains a lot in Seattle? Did you guys know this? Even I did not June? know that. I've I've, I've, I've that lived here, I've lived here in Washington for almost thirty fucking years, and I have never I never fucking. Knew. 
I don't understand. I went outside for the first time in about three days, by the way. And I was like, it's raining. This is going to slow me down for three minutes. I was upset and I'm still upset. So sorry, guys. Well, I got to say, it's in a- Florida, it's beautiful. The sun is shining. It's like 89 degrees. It's great. Yeah, but when it rains down there, it fucking, yeah, but when it rains down there, it fucking monsoons, damn it. It monsoons. It, it, monsoons. it, 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 it rains every day. I heard when it every rains day. in Florida, that's when all the monsters come out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's that is a true story. <laughs> I will say this though, Jason. I uh, one thing about Florida that I will talk positively about is the golf courses. Golf courses down there. Are beautiful. If you're a golfer, I'm not, but I get yeah, it totally. Arizona, Florida, I, I've, you're all I've golfed down yeah. there. I uh, so uh, last time I one of the uh, last couple times that I went golfing down there, um, me and my dad we were uh, we were golfing on one of the uh, on one of the courses that he's a part of, and on the 18th hole there was this. I mean, I want to say about 10 foot gator. That was just like sitting on the bank. So here's, my bo- here's the thing about Florida too. So, and we'll leave the politics out of it because whatever. So there are, so not only are there gators in Florida, but as you know, this Matt living in, in Florida, there are crocs in Florida. Like we couldn't even keep the crocodiles out of like, like you go to Australia, you're seeing crocs, right? You go to Florida, you get gators and crocs because it's Florida. You can't find crocs. I don't think you can find crocs like regularly in any other state in the entire country. You go to Florida around everywhere and crocs. <laughs> they really are. Talk about but, a croc. Um, That's a croc of you know what. But the fu- <laughs> gators and crocs. See what I'm talking you about? Can, monsters. Hey, wait a minute, Church Jason. You can say it's a crock of shit. We're uncensored, so it doesn't matter. I'll get into a bad habit. I'll start doing it on my own show, and I don't want to do that. So <laughs> I feel you there. But anyway, I really wanted um, to say it, but but the fun. So here's the, here's the fun story about it is. Uh, so it's a 10 foot gator and my ball is about, I want to say about seven feet away from it. And he's just sitting there and I'm just like, okay, I'll just How go ahead. How far and pre- away from, are I'm, you from the gator at this point? Uh, I was about 10 feet away from the gator. Okay. And, and you know, he's just sitting there and I was like this, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and take my shot. And I, and I'm just looking at my shot, but then I also stare over at him just like, you gonna let me take my shot? <laughs> are you gonna let me? Yeah, are you gonna let me? But I mean, and then all of a sudden he looks at me and he just like he just turns around and just like lays down and I'm just like, okay, so you are gonna take uh, let me. T-. So I able to get my shot off, but I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I love seeing those animals in their natural natural habitat. It like people think that they're very vicious animals, but they are very very docile creatures unless you piss sure. them off. Sure. And being close to him sometimes pisses him off. So yeah. <laughs> true. I mean, but, that um, happens with me too. If you're too close to me, sometimes you know, <laughs> 10 feet is usually the shield. And if you get within 10, sometimes I'll bite you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, oh, yeah. uh, I also wanted to remind you, Matt, because uh, we sent out a tweet today. The countdown is officially started. Uh, it started last week, but the countdown is now at nine. nine. We are nine episodes away from 100 podcasts. And it's, a, and hey, it's unbelievable. That? Congrats, uh, guys. That's great. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. And, uh, I can actually confirm that we got another guest to come on the show. We now have a total of three really big guests coming on the show for the 100 show. Re- very special, but I'm not going to reveal who it is. But I wanted to leave it a surprise. But anyway, Ch- Jason, let's go ahead and get into the Mariners because we were we were just talking about this because last week we were talking about the Mariners and they had just finally won four straight series. We thought this Mariners team was back on track. And then all of a sudden, like every Mariners team does it, it just derailed. It has been, they have just derailed. I mean, 
the series against the Red Sox was very frustrating because honestly, there was the, all all every single game for the Mariners in that series was a winnable game. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it comes down to this, and this is something that I, that I wanted to discuss, by the way, for the Facebook user who comments on our stuff, we will be talking about uh, what you just uh, commented, but um, it all comes down to this runners left on base. The Mariners lead the lead baseball with runners left on base. And it's, it's getting frustrating. It is getting so frustrating to watch this team because you know, whenever we get the bases loaded, you know, any normal baseball fan will be like, okay, yay, we got the bases loaded, nobody out. To Mariners fans are like, we got the bases loaded. I hate no the bases loaded. Buddy. Imagine, yeah. guys, if they weren't actually hitting well with runners on base or with men in scoring position, because they actually are in most categories, average OBP slugging. They're top five or six in the American League with runners on base, top five or six in the American League with runners in scoring position. It's and so hard still to yet, they leave a lot of runners on base. And, and somebody asked me today what the, the biggest culprit of that is. What, why is that happening? And it's because with runners on first and third, they're getting a single, whereas they're not getting the double as often. Because it's not like they're scoring two and a half runs a game. This isn't 2011, 2012. This mm. is just mediocre offense and very inconsistent because the bottom third of the order is going to be really bad, or sometimes the bottom half of the order is going to be really bad. But the, the the most runners left on base is kind of a badge I would walk around wearing if I'm the Mariners. That means you're getting a ton of guys on base, and eventually, to some extent, that's going to improve. You get better guys in the lineup. You get Lewis back. You get Hanniger back. Uh, you get more guys swinging the bat well at the same time. Maybe Winker does something uh, a little more like what he was doing last year, and things start to turn around a little bit. But you you do have to get the guys on base. So this whole we're using a counting stat to talk about how bad the Mariners are at scoring runs. Yet if they weren't putting that many runners on base, they wouldn't be scoring the runs that you want them to score. And we're not recognizing that they actually have been okay offensively. You just look at run score; they're not bottom third in the league. You know, they're kind of right there at the bottom portion of the middle and the last month or so they're right in the middle of the league. So we just want more consistency, right? We want to see those guys get on base and get driven in. You need more doubles. You need more Ty Francis. You need more Mitch Hanniger's. I'm not sure where you get that until Hanniger's healthy. Yeah. That, I mean, that's been a, that's been a big problem for the, for the Mariners this year. I mean, I mean think I was about at, who's been bending third or fourth for this team a lot this year. Uh, Julio JP Crawford. Hey, JP Crawford is been batting third or fourth a lot. Mm-hmm. And Adam Frazier about to clean up the other day. We're tossing singles hitters into the top five in the order more often than we should be. That's why I don't love JP in the leadoff spot ultimately, but right now I do think that's the best spot for him and that's best for the club. But ultimately you'd have doubles hitters one through five and you don't. So you're getting guys on base. You're getting a guy on first base. And what happens if he hits a double? Well, if he can run, maybe he scores. If he can't, he doesn't score. And so you're not getting those those leadoff doubles. You're not getting the double to follow it. You're not getting the home runs with guys on base as often as some of the better hitting teams in the league. And until that happens, you know, you're just going to have to single teams to death a lot and hope that France or Rodriguez hit one out and, and relying on basically two guys to hit the key home runs in the middle of that order is just not going to cut it. Yeah, I mean that that's exactly a great point to bring up. I mean, again, there's there really isn't a guy that or guys that really just hit the doubles as much as that as we want to see him, you know, both me and Matt agreed that, you know, Hey, JP Crawford should have been hitting lead off long time ago. Um, you know, you're absolutely right with Adam Frazier and, and, you know, other guys, you know, they're, they really aren't doubles hitters. They're singles hitters. Um, 
Even but, right now, Luis Torrens is a single sitter, even though we saw him hit for plenty of power last year. Yeah. Really, it's just all singles right now. He's hitting for average lately, no power whatsoever. But I think he's what is slugging like 310 right now. Mm-hmm. That's not the Luis Torrens we saw a year ago. So even down in the order in the 789 spot, you get a guy on base. Yeah, you'd rather him get a single to make an out, but you really need doubles. You really need a few mm-hmm. home runs from uh, from those guys down there, the Toros and the – well, we'll take more singles from Toro at this point. You need more doubles from Torrens. You need more uh, I'll take uh, more doubles from, from Frazier, more doubles from even JP, even though he has the, the five home runs. Uh, and that's why I always liked Hanniger batting in the leadoff spot. It's the home run yeah. or it's the double. You get something going right away, and he's in scoring position immediately, mm-hmm. and you're not leaving as many guys on base. So – uh, get healthy or add some new players. That's their only their only options right now. And, uh, and Matt, I think you and I were both at that game where where Mitch Haniger did severely sprain his ankle. I think. Um, were you at that game, by the way? I don't think I was. No. Okay, so so we were both at the Julio Rodriguez first. Yeah, we're at the Julio run one. We were at least at that one. But yeah, um, I saw. I was at that. I was made a trip down to Florida, watched the Mariners play for five games against both the Rays and the Marlins. Missed that last game against the Rays, but. <laughs> didn't really miss much on that one but <laughs> but no i mean it's it's really frustrating especially with mitch hanniger because um we posted a tweet earlier on the on the seattle sports Diaries account about uh, anthony rendon you know we we consider him you know he's the mitch hanniger of the angels you know he he's sure. he, you know because the the man looks like he's made of glass i mean it's, and it's mitch hanniger guys is also the mike trout of the mariners Oh, to be honest with you, he really is also wow. the Mike Trout of the Mariners. He's that the closest is... thing they have, really. To, to you know, he's the guy that's most likely to hit the ball out of the ballpark at any given moment. And it's yeah, really the guy I always close. want up with runners on. I want I want Hanniger on. Yeah, and sure. and it's it's we haven't had him this year, so it's been yeah. that much more rough to watch this team, especially with all the other injuries that we've been through. It's that's that was my leader going in. Like, I can't Mm -hmm. wait to watch the guy lead this team, especially after his tweet last year, after we didn't make the playoffs and he wanted it so bad. And to see him out, man, it it breaks my heart that he's not out there with them because I I think he wants it more than anyone. You know, when you think about this club offensively guys, they needed three of four things to go their way when the season started. And instead three of those four things have not gone their way. They needed Winker to be Winker. They needed Hanniger to stay healthy and they needed Kelnick to do something to warrant staying in the big leagues. And they needed Julio to do something. Julio is the only thing out of those four that's actually worked out. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. um, I love that you brought up uh, Jared Kelnick real quickly, because again, uh, prospect insider, man. I mean, this is something that we needed to talk about because just uh, earlier today, Justin Upton was brought up, you know, the Mariners are desperate to do for anything to get happened or for anything to really bolster that offense. And really, I don't think Justin Upton, I don't think Justin Upton is the the solution, but it's just like a temporary solution. And of course, they're buying time, right? Yeah, they're buying time. And, but of course, uh, Matt, you and I can both agree this absolutely pissed us off, but the, 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 the player that gets optioned down to Tacoma is Sam Haggerty and not Abraham Toro mm-hmm. because yeah. I, I you know, I all right. I'm I glad you brought this up. So, okay. so you think that Haggerty is a better bet to hit right now than Abraham Toro? I want to say yes, but I I have a feeling you're going to tell me no. Well, I, I'm I'm just saying there's no evidence of that. Is all I'm saying. So mm. essentially, you're picking out of two players where there's not a whole lot of evidence that they're going to hit right now. So you're picking the guy with less evidence that he will hit because mm. there is less evidence that Haggerty will hit than with Toro considering 
uh, all the data and all the scouting notes. So while I get, it, I totally get it because Haggerty is actually a fun player. When I went down to Tacoma to see their workouts before the season started, I walked out of there and Taylor Trammell was on that team early in the year. And there were a couple of other guys there, including a veteran or two. And I walked out of there thinking Sam Haggerty was the best player on that team, not the best prospect, but the best player on that team. So I totally understand why Sam Haggerty is kind of fun and, and maybe can catch lightning in a bottle for a few weeks, but long-term it's not close. I totally understand. I don't think you guys are wrong. Uh, optioning Toro for a month might actually make some sense at some point, but this idea that Sam Haggerty is a better bet to hit right now is a guessing game. It really is a guessing game. I'm I mean, guessing, that's fair. You're guessing the Mariners are guessing, but what the Mariners are doing in, in guessing is they're using the indicators that the player is going to hit long-term as a deciding factor. And in that case, they're actually picking the right player. Yeah. I think, All right. I think, it, I think it comes back to um, why we're frustrated is because we've seen Toro not produce. So we're kind of tired of not seeing it. Sure. So let's see someone else maybe right. not produce or produce. Yeah. I mean, give them at least some, some more, <laughs> at least it's something different. It's something, it's something different to see because mm -hmm. we've seen the, the same biggest problem with Toro right now is that he's, he Toro's playing a lot and he shouldn't be, he yeah. should be right now. He should be a guy that fills in when your second baseman or third baseman gets hurt for, and goes on the IL for 10 days. Yeah. Or the guy that gets a couple of starts a week. Right now, he's basically playing every day, and maybe he's just being overexposed. I think he's got a swing issue. I think him and Wink are in the same boat, same exact boat. They're trying to create someone, leverage and trying to hit the ball in the air, and it's not working out for him. Someone brought this really interesting up because I saw this on uh, Instagram about Jesse Winker, but a couple of years ago, he had a shoulder injury. And, you know, I'm not going to name who it is because I don't want to really throw them under the bus, but I think, you know, maybe they have a point in here because they're saying that if that shoulder injury has gotten re-aggravated, that might, that might explain why Jesse Winker is uh, so inconsistent at the plate. But another thing about Jesse Winker that um, Matt, you saw this yesterday and I think Jason saw this as well yesterday. Something that's kind of frustrating me about uh, Jesse Winker. He's kind of uh, an older version of uh, Jared Kelnick at this point, because he's so animated at the plate. when he strikes out, he, he gets very, he gets very angry with himself. He's kind of in his head right now. I mean, I don't think th that's not what the Mariners need right now. That's not what they need from Jesse Winker. I don't think. I just think it's a frustrating season all around for the whole I think team. So, too. so when when you're when you're in your head and then you you think you're letting the team down, I mean, I'd be pissed off too. Especially the ball was a little low, but you know you got to take a swing at those. We we've seen the umps this year. You got to take the swing and at least try to to fight it off. But yeah. I mean, it's it's just been a rough rough season all around, and he knows his numbers are down. He. He's not blind to his stats. He knows what's going on. And I mean, I, I'd be even more frustrated than he was. Break the bat over the knee, get some anger, you know, go up <laughs> Bo to Jackson bat with style, some, you know, get get pissed off. I, I want this team to be pissed off. You know, right. the whole fun thing. Yeah. yeah, I want them to have fun, but be fucking angry because this is a letdown <laughs> of a season. We're angry. You need to be angry. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, right it's, now, it's, Winker, if you look at Winker's batted ball profile, I've mentioned this a couple of times on baseball things, but like we're talking about a guy who three weeks ago was hitting 18% infield fly balls. It's still at 15.3% as we talk, as we sit wow. here right now. That's almost 6% higher than what he had a year ago, and it's 6.5% higher than his career rate. There's just been Good too Lord. many balls where he's just getting under it, and his fly ball rate's 40%. So, which would be the highest in his career by almost 7%. So there's something there in the swing for me. He's collapsing on the backside, some hitting the ball in the air, popping it up and he's got to fix. And that's why that's the biggest reason why I didn't like Winker in the leadoff spot. As soon as I identified 
that my best guess here was there's a swing issue. And then I started looking into it. Then I started looking at the batted ball. Then I started watching his at bats with that in mind. Yeah, you know, his backside is collapsing. He's getting under the ball. That's not what he does. When you look at when he was at his best, which really was last year and the year before, and so probably 2019 to 2021, his line dry rates, 24, 23, 26%. He's at 21.7% right now. And those fly ball rates, 7 to 12% higher than they have been over the last three years. Hitting the ball in the air isn't his game. And with the, the ball being a little more dead this year, using the humidor in every ballpark and, and, uh, all the things that Major League Baseball is trying to do to fix the three-two outcome, you know, game of baseball, the results, like that goes against both Abraham Toro and Jesse Winker trying mm. to lift the baseball. He does. He's not a big bat speed guy. Now Toro a little better. Winker's not a big bat speed guy. He's. A, I can see the ball. I recognize the pitch. I have good bat to ball skills. That's his game. So that's why he makes a lot of contact. That's why his strikeout rates are good throughout his career, and they're still good. You know, he's only at 17 and a half percent right now, and we feel like he's striking out more. So for the season, he's really not. Although lately, I think that that's gone up 15 percent walk is fine. Swinging strike rates under nine percent. It's just when he's making contact, he's not getting the results and he's just trying to lift the ball. That's not his game. And as soon as he gets out of that, we'll start seeing more line drives, more balls in the gap, more doubles and even a few more home runs because they'll just hit line drive home runs. If you guys use the baseball savant random video uh thing sometimes if you if you do that with jesse winker you will almost undoubtedly the very first thing you get without choosing without filtering anything out will be a line drive home run because that's what he did most last year when he got a hit in that line drive to right center field is is the the result almost every single time you hit that button yeah um Another th- so I want to go ahead and get into the Facebook uh, commenter because they were curious about this. So talking talking a little bit about Julio Rodriguez right now, um, because I mean, hey, we definitely always got to talk about Julio Rodriguez, perhaps one of the brightest young stars that is now in this league right now. And um, uh, Matt, I'm going to say this, man. I mean, it's it's a struggle for him in, this month in June. He's coming off the rookie of the month. Uh, award and uh he's just he's getting fooled a lot on these pitches he really is getting fooled especially yesterday with that slider by Shohei Otani that thing was absolutely nasty that was a nasty slider and uh Julio just looks uh, I I won't say he looks lost at the plate but he's just he's getting fooled a little bit too much than what he was in May I mean, is it just them trying to do too much at once? <laughs> I mean, that's how I always feel when I see guys go into this slump when a team is slumping. It's like they're trying to get four runs with nobody on base. And sorry, that doesn't work that way. You got you to chip away. And one thing the Mariners haven't done this year is, is chip away. They either get up five runs in the first and then don't score the rest of the game, and or they'll get one home run in the ninth inning but still lose by four. It's It's... It's just not it's not working. Something about this team just isn't working together. And I don't know if it's just because they're just trying to win a game with one swing of the bat or if there's just really something wrong with um, the way we're pursuing the game to begin with. I mean, are, are we are we not taking as many batting practices we should be like what what is it that is not letting them hit the ball hard? Because it's just. I haven't seen it all year, I feel like. I feel like nobody is hitting the ball besides Julio a couple of times, but a couple of times doesn't win you enough games to make the playoffs. You 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 need to be consistent, and that's one thing that they haven't done. And 
Julio, he's young. I forgive him. I, I, I don't care if he strikes out a bunch of times. He, he's a young kid, and he's going to get it together. Yeah. yeah, with Julio, what's what's interesting about what what's been going on with him? It, there's going to be inconsistencies because he's young, but if you look at the first thing I thought of when like, oh he's dipping a little bit, like we saw him up in the two seventies. Now he's down at what like two fifty eight, I think, entering uh, Friday's game against the Angels. Uh, you know, like what's a little different? Well, he's chasing a little bit more. So why is that? Is he just losing some of the the discipline that that he showed in in April and May? Not really. He's just seeing you know a lot more breaking balls, right? No, he's actually not. Uh, the, the fastball percentage, the breaking ball percentage, the off-speed stuff percentage is basically the same. What it, it looks like it comes down to is he's not, just not seeing as many strikes. And pitchers just aren't making the middle mistake against him that they were uh, particularly in May. So he's seeing fewer strikes and he's seeing fewer breaking balls in the strike zone. So when he gets a pitch to hit uh, you know, early in the count and he misses it, like now he's now he's 0-1. Uh, and he's probably going to get the one, two or two, two. So he's probably going to get the two strikes at that point. And then the pitcher's just not throwing him a strike after that. And his chase rate is between 33 and 35%, depending on which, uh, uh, measurement stick you want to use, which is too high. So he does have to improve that. And I think he's at 35% in June, uh, about halfway through the month. So a little better discipline. He's falling out of that just a little bit, but he's just not seeing as many strikes, breaking ball, fastball, you name it even though he's seeing just as many fastballs as he did uh, back in April and May. Yeah, real quickly. So, hey, uh, J Jason, I've got the Mariners on the phone right now, and I'm asking and, I, and they're asking for a new uh, uh, batting or hitting instructor or batting coach. I mean, do you do you want the job? Because I can tell them that <laughs> because it seems like it seems like you do have the it seems like you do have the answers when it comes to. Uh, telling us exactly why these guys are struggling in it and you do have and, and it is and it is analytical at, at a lot of points uh, mm -hmm. you know most of us are not big into analytics i'm one of those people that are just not into analytics right now but um you know i mean it it is very interesting to hear you talk about how these players are struggling and and, and what is it about what's going on with ty france right now because that's a big thing that we i think we should uh, wonder ourselves because he's in a little bit of a slump. He's kind of in that Mike Trout type of slump going on right now. Yep. So what I see, my eyes see from France is he's trying to be more aggressive right now. Knows the team is struggling in a certain time. Trying to be more aggressive. He doesn't have to be as patient. He can go ahead early in the count, maybe uh, swing at a pitch that he believes is in the zone, but that he wouldn't normally necessarily swing at. Maybe it's a breaking ball first pitch that he believes he can drive into right field or that he can pull and maybe hit out of the ballpark or get an extra base hit on. So I'm seeing a little of that. That tends to happen. We've seen Mitch Hanniger do that in the past. Uh, we've seen Nelson Cruz and Robinson Cano even do that in the past. When the team is struggling, you tend to get a little bit more aggressive. You don't want to walk because there's not much value there. Um, so I think we're seeing that a little bit from France. But he's also getting fewer strikes. Since uh, since about May 12, uh, France is seeing 9% fewer strikes. So wow. they're just thinking to themselves, Jeez. the opposing pitchers are thinking, hey, if Adam Frazier's not going to hit, if Jesse Winker's not going to those are the guys that were in the leadoff spot. And we're going to face France with a guy on base. He's getting nothing to hit. We're going to force the rookie and your shortstop who was batting cleanup for a while, your single sitter. We're going to force those guys to beat us. So in that case, if you kind of pitch around France and he just takes the walk, maybe you're first and second, but you need two base runners other than France to, to, to drive in a run at, at that point. You need two singles or you need the walk and a single. So, uh, you can be more careful when you, you're pitching to a shallow lineup. You can be careful with Ty France. And if you're going to pick a guy right now in this lineup to be careful with, 
it's going to be France. France probably is hitting in the right spot in the order. That's probably where you want them. But moving them around a bit might make it a little more difficult for uh, you know opponents to pitch to the Mariners. But you also don't want to take it bats away from them, like by moving them down two or three spots and maybe taking that extra bat away from him because he is one of the few guys in the lineup that makes a lot of contact and can hit the ball out of the ballpark. And you just you want to get him as many at bats as possible. But France probably pushing a little bit, probably expanding his his uh, I don't want to say expanding his zone a whole lot, but uh, being a little more aggressive to uh, to try to take on a little bit more of the burden in, in scoring runs and, and pushing guys first to third and and uh, giving the guys behind him an opportunity to drive in a run without having to hit a double, without even give a hit, uh, you know, in some cases. And if Mitch Hanniger was here, I don't think we'd be seeing the current slump with Ty France. I think so. Um, so getting off all of our struggles, let's let's talk a bit, little bit about this uh, because I think it needs to be discussed. So Kyle Lewis is a big um, – a uh, big subject right now, especially on the chat right here that I see because uh, people want to talk about him. And and what kills me about it is that th- there's a lot of online or slash Twitter doctors who think that, oh, let's we need Kyle Lewis back. We need his bat in the bat in the lineup. And people uh, I can speak for from experience. I've had a concussion before. Mm-hmm. This is this is not this is not a little thing that because people people want to look at the NFL, but, you know, guys get a concussion and. You know, they come back, what, uh, one or two, three weeks later, but that's not the case. That's not really the case. Well, how long it has it been for Kyle Lewis? It's been a couple uh, of weeks, right? It's not yeah, abnormal it's, for an NFL player to miss a couple of weeks. It's been a couple of weeks, right? It doesn't yes. mean he needs to come back tomorrow, but this is pretty typical when a guy gets a concussion. And from a guy who's had a concussion, can can you explain for all your listeners what a concussion actually is in the simplest of terms? Because I don't think people really understand what happens in your head it, between your between the bones of your skull oh my God. to create um, a concussion. Because if they did, they wouldn't be like, Kyle Lewis needs to be back. No, um, when I got the concussion, you know, the next day I felt groggy. I, I I had double vision. You know, I've had I had severe headaches and it and it lasted over a week. I mean, and then I kept going back to see the doctor. And there was there was even sometimes where you know I, you know I couldn't see out of one eye. I mean, concussions are nothing to mess around with. For anybody out there on Twitter who thinks that Kyle Lewis needs to come back, here's the thing: concussions are nothing to screw with. This is not a this is not a simple injury. If people think that this is a simple injury, then they're then they're absolutely they have no idea what they're talking about. Because again, um, again, I can speak from experience. I've had a concussion. It's it's terrible. It's one of the it's perhaps one of the worst injuries that you can get by not breaking a bone. Um, and and again, you know, uh, I want to say we'll we might see Kyle Lewis here maybe at the end of the month. Uh, I want to say we'll probably see him at the end of the month. Same with same with Mitch Haniger. Um, but Jason, this is a big question I need to ask you because coming up here next month is the All Star break, and and right now I think Matt, I think we tweeted out yesterday that um, I think the Mariners need to be between. Uh, between uh, I want to say three and seven games under 500 going into the all-star break and maybe be behind in the wild card by, you know, what uh, five, six games. And maybe they got a chance to do this if the, if the bats can wake up, but Jason, what, what exactly do the Mariners need to do to possibly get back into this playoff run? Because for everybody out there who's saying that the season's over, it's not over. We are six and a half back in the wild card and we can absolutely do this. Yeah, I think the schedule does come into play. And I always preach on my show that you have to look at the schedule 
a couple of days ahead, not weeks ahead, but it's always better to play, say, the A's and the Orioles right now than it is to play the Astros and the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Rays, right? So when you're looking at Boston in the lead for that last wild card spot, you can, you know, sit here and say, hey, Seattle has a significantly better schedule than will the Boston Red Sox because there's going to be some cannibalism in the, in the American league East and Boston's the worst <laughs> of those four teams. So when you look at what Seattle has coming up, you have the, you have the, the rest of the angel series as we record this, you, then you go on the road to play Oakland three times and then the angels three times, and then you're home for Oakland and the Orioles. So once you get that 17, excuse me, yeah, it's the A's and the Orioles. So once you get to July 3rd, that's 17 games, Friday of the angel series, through Sunday, July 3rd. If you're still six or seven games below 500 at that point, you're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. You have to make some headway during that 17 game stretch. You absolutely have to. If you can go 10 and seven at least, I think you're okay and you're kind of treading water still, giving yourself an opportunity because there's going to be another stretch of games just before the All-Star break that's going to give you another opportunity. After that July 3rd game in Oakland, or excuse me, at home against Oakland, you go on the road for two in San Diego, then you get a day off, and then you're home for four against Toronto, and then you get another day off on the 11th before you play Washington twice and Texas fourth rolling in to the All-Star break. You have a, you have a big-time opportunity over the next 31 yeah. days now to, to make up, I'd say, at least five games, in the, it, not necessarily in the standings, but you know, you're sitting here right now, you're, you're entering Friday's game, you're eight games under 500. If you could be three games under 500 heading into the All-Star break, you're in decent shape. I wouldn't say good shape, but considering where they are right now, that's pretty decent shape. And, and you could get to a point with this Mariners club where maybe there's only three teams to pass or maybe you're five back of, of whoever's in the wild card lead, Boston right now, and there's three teams ahead of you, but you're only a game or two behind those other three teams. You're in okay shape because that's about when you start to get healthy too. You know, sometime around July one, maybe you get Lewis back, maybe Hanniger back sometime before the All Star break, um, because you're really going to need to know where you are. You know, right around the All Star break, right around the the 17th when you play that last game pre break, to start making decisions on what in the world are you going to do, Jerry Depoto? At, you know, at the trade deadline, are you going to sell off Adam Frazier, Paul Seawall, Diego Castillo, Mitch Hanniger? Or do you think it's worth keeping the majority or all of those and adding to it? Or is there going to be a little bit of both? Uh, and the reason I say that, guys, is because I'm a firm believer in acquisition opportunities. And while there's chances, technically, to go out and make a deal at any point during the season, uh, the opportunities to make deals are really July, or in this case, a couple of days into August this year, uh, and over the offseason you're not seeing a whole lot of significant trades happen between uh, you know, the start of the season and July. It just doesn't happen. So your opportunities are July and, and the winter. And when a player is available, sometimes even though that player may not impact your current season, you still have to go get them. You still have to just go get them in July in a season where it doesn't look really like you're going to compete, but you have control over this, this guy. His contract is under control either through the season following or even two or more seasons following the one you're in. So I think the Mariners could sell. I think they could buy. But I think the most likely situation here is that they buy in some form, but they might also sell at the deadline. And Jerry is going to have to find out a lot. We don't know. I think we're probably only about 25% of the way to really knowing the situation that the Mariners are going to be in for the, for the, the trade deadline. And that extra wild card spot is the reason. Because if there were only two wild card spots, the Mariners would already be done. 
So if you were an opponent of that extra wild card spot as a Mariners fan, you're probably thinking, Hey, at least we're kind of sort of still hanging, hanging in there and treading water right now, because you'd be done right now. You'd be, you know, it'd be Tampa and Toronto that you'd be battling with. You'd be 10 games back with six teams to pass. You'd be done. We'd be right now. We'd be talking about what can they get for Mitch Anniger? What can they get for Diego Castillo? What can they get for Paul Sewell? Should they trade Chris Flexen? Should they, you know, should, should they trade Suarez? Should they trade Winker? Those would be the conversations we'd be having right now if there wasn't that third wild card. Yeah, and another so that is exactly so two more things before we get you out of here. But and first of all, Jason, I really appreciate the hell out of you coming on the podcast. Um uh always I'm always a big fan of you, man. I've I've always admired admired your work, man. Uh, you, you just keep doing what you're doing, man, because uh, you know, you you're one of the real real guys out there who do love reporting what you do. But um uh Facebook commenter uh, mentioned and I like this idea. I love this idea, and I met I think you'll love this idea. But starting with trading, there's a big option in a designated hitter that I think the Mariners should think about bringing back. And it's a boom stick. It's called <laughs> his name is Nelson Cruz on the Washington Nationals. And and here's the thing. Look, it, you know, Nelson Cruz may be struggling. He may the yeah. the the, the, he the terrible hit- April, but I'm telling you right now. He is not struggling right now. I know you look at the season numbers and they're not quite there. Well, I'm only speaking. I'm only speaking for the stat heads who are actually just looking at the batting average. Sure. In May, he hit 318. In June, he's hitting 340. He hit a buck 55 in April. So his season long numbers are awful. Right now, Nelson Cruz is just simply Nelson Cruz. And it's funny you bring him up. I can tell you right now that several teams have already called the Washington Nationals to talk about Nelson Cruz. And I can tell you, at least internally, the Mariners have talked about Nelson Cruz. So yes. they still really don't want to go the pure DH, but at least they're talking about it because they know they have to get more offense out of this group. And Nelson Cruz is a great clubhouse guy. And right now without Mitch, without Tom Murphy, uh, and things kind of going south and a lot of new players uh, in town, the Winkers and the Suarez of the world. And the Suarez is great for the clubhouse, but to bring in a guy like a Nelson Cruz, uh, right now would be would go a long way for that clubhouse. JP Crawford's not really a raw raw guy. Even Mitch Hanager is not really a raw raw guy. So they're kind of missing that a little bit. And they were probably missing a little bit of that uh, a year ago. And bringing in a guy like Cruz at 76 years old uh, still is going to bring that you know to the clubhouse. Now, whether he fixes the lineup or not, I don't know. But there's a good chance at least that he helps it. Um, you know, and, and we're not talking about a guy who's you know, 40 some years old, or was he 40? He's 41. It'll be 42 in July on July 1st. Uh, we're not talking about a guy who needs to sit versus right-handers or anything either. This is a guy who just pretty much hits everybody. And, you know, like I said, 318 in May, 340 in July with five homers and and uh, and 25 RBIs since May 1. Uh, he's pretty much just himself right now. And, and it's probably not going to cost you a ton to go get him. That's certainly a guy that should be on their radar. And at least to some small degree, he is. Definitely. Um, and I think, Matt, I think we talked about this last week. I think we talked about this, but an- another name that kind of stands out with uh, trades. I, well, I don't, wouldn't want to say stands out with trades, but because of what has been going on with the organization, what has been said about this player, Jazz Chisholm. And Bring uh, I think we, I think we <laughs> talked about it last week, but I mean, that's, you know, if you were, if, if, if the Mariners are thinking about it, I don't know if the Mariners are thinking about it. I don't know if they are thinking about it, but I mean, if you were to go out and get perhaps one of the primo stars of this league or just an excitement guy, a guy who brings a lot of energy to the clubhouse, like Jazz Chisholm, 
what exactly would that cost the Mariners? I, I'm 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 thinking it's going to definitely cost Noel V. Marte and possibly Emerson Hancock at the, at, the, at the at the least. I think if you're Miami here, you don't even want to hear this conversation. <laughs> like I'm not sure why you would we would have this conversation with the club right now. Like if Seattle wants to say, hey, we're willing to trade Julio, then if you're Miami, you're willing to have that conversation. If you're willing to trade <laughs> Logan Gilbert or you're willing to go George Kirby, Noel V. Marte, I'm willing to have that conversation. Otherwise. I'm not willing to have the conversation with, with really anybody, including Seattle. Uh, Miami's trying to build up. They're in a similar situation that Seattle is in. So just as you would say, why in the world would the Mariners uh, entertain trading Julio Rodriguez? Miami would say, why in the world would we entertain trading Ch uh, Jazz Chisholm right now? Like he might be their franchise. He might be their franchise guy. I don't know who else it's going to be. You know, they have some pitchers who fall into the, you know, kind of the Felix category. But in terms of, you know, bats, he's their guy. So I don't really see that, but I do see a player or two on that roster that are really, really interesting to me. Like, what if you could get a hold of a Brian Anderson and he becomes your Ooh. your Dylan Moore or your like uh, or your Sam Haggerty or your Abraham uh, uh, Toro? He's a guy who can play third base and the outfield. He's got a little bit of pop. Uh, he's in about two sixty five right now. Yeah, it's we all know that we all know he's got pop. I saw it firsthand. <laughs> right. Uh, I also really like he's on the IL right now on a hamstring issue. And I mentioned him on my podcast a couple of weeks ago. Joey Wendell makes a ton of sense for this Mariners <laughs> club. An absolute ton of sense for this club. He I'm not gonna lie, base. Jason. I'm not gonna lie, Jason. That would kind of hurt my heart to actually get the guy who spoiled the playoffs for us. What was it in uh, two, 2016? He spoiled the playoffs for the Mariners sure. in 2016. Sure. That would kind of hurt my heart a little bit. Sure. I get it. Totally get it. But he's a pretty good player. And you yeah. don't have an answer at second base next year. Adam Frazier is a free agent. And you're probably not bringing him back. Mm -mm. You no, probably have I, to, the I, season I he's having right now, you're probably not, at least not in the starting role. If you bring him back, he's your Dylan Moore next year. He's a guy that is a spot starter and, and spells a guy when he's hurt and things of that nature. You're not starting. So you need a guy at second base. And there are not a lot of second basemen out there. You look at the free agent market, there are not a lot of guys to go get. Joey Wendell can play second. He can play third. He can play short in a pinch. You'd only Robinson owe him Cano. the 2023 mutual option. So, you know, a guy like that makes a ton of sense. And Miami might have some arms that uh, they might be willing to uh, uh, to deal when you look at that uh, that Marlin staff. Um Alcantara, they signed to it to an extension. Uh, they really like what they have going with Lazardo. He's got to throw more strikes. Um, they have some dogs in that rotation, but a guy like Pablo Lopez, who's having a really good year, they might feel like, I like yeah, that. we're not going to extend him, and let's just sell high on him. A guy like Pablo Lopez could be available. I like it. Uh, last thing, Jason, uh, before we get you out of here, and again, thanks so much uh, for, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Always appreciate your insight, too. <laughs> Uh, the Mariners world. But uh, so last thing that we got to talk about is Jared Kelnick. And because here's the thing on this podcast, I'm basically the Jared Kelnick fan club. Um, okay. I've, I've want, I want him to succeed so bad. And I, and I think he can succeed. He's only 22 years old. Um, and I think that he has the potential to succeed. He's hitting the ball very well down in Tacoma. He's hitting it all over the place. Um, the thing that me and Matt have been discussing though, about uh, Jared Kelnick is is he out of his head? Can he find? Can he finally get that mental uh, trouble that he's been having? Can he get out of his head? Can he have some fun down there, out of his head? But the question is, when are the Mariners going to pull that desperation card? Because I feel like they're going to leave Kelnick down in Tacoma for as long as they can, unless the desperation card needs to be pulled. 
Yeah, there's there's really no point in pulling him back up here at this uh, right now. Like uh, to to me, he should stay down there until the team is the team declares themselves out of it, probably in August at some point, or <laughs> or call him up in September. Okay. He needs to make he needs to make fixes and he needs to improve on things as well. Pitch recognition, uh, plate coverage is a big one, and I don't just mean being able to foul a pitch off rather than swing and miss or let it go for called strike three. There's a small, a very small area of the strike zone that's the wheelhouse for him, and then nothing else. Like Julio Rodriguez is the opposite as a young hitter. You can throw him a a two seamer from a right hander, could bore in on his hands. And he'll find a way to get the barrel to it and hit it an extra base hit the right center field. Jared Kelnick can't do that. He's got to get better at things like this. Doesn't have to be quite as good as Julio is at it, but he's got to be able to hit pitches up in the zone, away from him for hits. And not just this isn't about him spraying the ball around. This is about him covering the zone because otherwise you could just steal strikes from him almost anytime you want. So there are a lot of things he needs to improve on. There are some mechanical things that come into play. I know there's a change uh, that he's made with his two strike, uh, his two strike swing, which is uh, uh, there's no stride right now, which it's not going very well. I don't think he really understands what it means to not stride when there's two strikes and it's really hurting his plate coverage and balance, but we'll see how that goes. They're, they're recognizing something. He just needs to spend a lot of time. It takes time to do that. And, and guys, I, I've made this comp before. I've made the Kyle Tucker comp before. Really, really struggled at the big league level. Went down, spent significant time in AAA, came back and was fine. Uh, but we were just talking about Nelson Cruz. When Nelson Cruz first broke into the big leagues, he was with Milwaukee in 2005. Then he went to Texas. His Nelson Cruz's first 478 plate appearances, he put up a 68 WRC plus at 24, oh. 25, and 26 years old. So there's no reason to give up on a guy like Kelnick with the physical tools that he has. There's none. You just have to be patient with him and give him time. I understand that, you know, boy, it'd be great if the outfield could be Kelnick and Julio and Winker or whatever, uh, but it's not. It's not. And to be honest with you, I don't think Kelnick's going to have the opportunity at the big league level to start 2023 in the big leagues. Whoa. I think, wow. I, like, if you're Seattle – Logan Gilbert is ready to be exactly what you think he can be. I uh, think Robbie so. Ray is what he is. George Kirby is pretty much ready to be, especially going into next year, exactly what you think he can be to be a, a three at worst, to maybe be a two sometimes. Both of those guys, and then with Robbie Ray in the mix, and you can figure him out and, and he can get back to kind of what he was last year for the most part. Your rotation is fine, and they still need to add to it. But you're really thinking about how do we score enough runs, just like what we've been talking about for weeks here during this season. If Kelnick is part of it, you're still hoping. You probably have to go out over the offseason and replace Mitch Haniger or bring Mitch Haniger back, which means Winker, Julio, Mitch in the outfield. There's no room for Jared Kelnick to play every day. So what's going to have to happen is Jared Kelnick's going to have to get an opportunity because somebody got hurt, somebody got uh, uh, suspended, somebody got whatever it is. And he's going to have to come up and rake. And he's going to have to come up in not consistent opportunities, maybe in, in some sort of a platoon role or, or a backup role at some point next year after the season starts because he's just raking in AAA and they don't see any point in keeping him down anymore. But it's not happening this year. And I do not see any scenario he starts spring training next year with a legit chance to break camp with the big club. I don't see it. Damn. I don't think we could see him oh, again sucks. in August or September, but that's just the place. Like if this was 2019, completely different story, right? 
Nebraska because he's going to get the chance in 2020. In fact, he might get another chance in 2021. But this is 2022 already. The rest of the roster is ready to compete. So they don't have time to sit around and wait for him, which is actually good for Mariners fans who want to win and don't want to sit around and wait for all these prospects to pan out before they make a decision to move on. They're already in that spot. Jerry DePoto needs to be in player acquisition mode to improve my roster, not sit around, protect the farm system, and hope the prospects I have start to perform eventually at the big league level. And he knows that. Definitely. Um, well, that was a big bombshell that you just dropped on the podcast. Uh, you know what? I'm not I'm not even gonna lie. You know, if 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 Jared Kelnick's got to stay down for another year to get major league ready, I'm fi- I'm perfectly fine with it. I am completely perfectly fine with it, but uh and you're right. You're right. If there's an injury, they may not have a choice. If yeah. they determine in August that they're kind of out of it and we just let's go ahead and see if the things he's been doing the last two, three months in the minors, can, you know, has helped them a little bit. You very well could see him in August or September. Uh, otherwise, I don't expect to see him until September. And I will stand by my uh, no matter what he does in AAA this year, I will stand <laughs> by my my statement that he does not start spring training next year with an inside track on, on opening day roster. Absolutely not. All right, uh, Jason, one more time. Thank you so much for being on uh, Seattle Sports Diaries, man. Um, need to have you back on here another time. Um, maybe the 100th podcast you come back on. Hey, how, how far away are you on that? We are way? nine episodes away. August yeah. 19th. I've already I've already done the August, calculation. Okay. August 19th is the 100th podcast. All right. So if you check with me on the 18th, I'll make time for you. That's kind of how I roll. Have you figured that out already? Like, like you, you check in with me like, Hey, you know, we're doing a show again. You come on in like a week. I'll go check with me the day before. Do I not always say that? That's you always say that. I, that's kind of how I do that. So we might be out of it by then. Yeah, they might be out of it by then. But I imagine I'll have some time for you. So. Definitely. All right, Jason. Uh, one more time, man. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. Love what you do. Uh, love your podcast. Uh, give your podcast a quick shout out, man. That way everybody knows where to uh, go listen to it. Hey, it's a, it's baseball things. It's at Patreon. You can find free clips at baseballthingspod.com. Find me on Twitter at Prospect Insider, of course. And uh, if you want to talk to me through these two jokers, please do that. I like getting third hand <laughs> questions. I think it's hilarious to see how different the question becomes once it gets to me. So uh, please feel free to do that. But you can find me on Twitter. I'm, I'm really easy to get hold of. So guys, appreciate it. Anytime. Uh, congrats on the 100th episode. And uh, uh, hey, if you have time for me, check in with me and uh, I'll make time for you guys for the 100th. Definitely, awesome, man. man. Uh, and also, uh, just to let you know, man, uh, we also have a second podcast that's out. We got a movie commentary podcast that's out. We, uh, we're we about to do our 20th episode next week. We're about to do our 20th episode next week. We've been do- we've been doing a lot of really good movies. Um, we have some good movies planned out. Uh, we're actually going to be in here in about th- three weeks. We're No, three weeks after next week's podcast. We're actually going to be doing our first Clint Eastwood movie. Hey. <laughs> so you but, guys have uh, a movie podcast so uh do you have guests on those we do not have guests on those are you interested okay. in being a guest on our movie podcast our so movie here's comedy? what i'm really good at okay like i know what i like and i don't really care what you like <laughs> i don't care like i seriously don't care like i don't care like you think the all these avenger movies are great you're wrong, but great. I don't care. Like whatever. They're, they're I ridiculous. am with they're you ridiculous. on that. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. <laughs> I'll come on and trash. You know the the Spider-Man movie or whatever. I don't know. It's like I just don't care. Like I don't care what you like. I only care what I like. like I seriously. would love to trash the Marvel movies with you. Oh my it god. Be, it would be awful for me to be dating somebody right now who is like really into movies in general. And then to find out that she loves like all the Batman movies or something, it's like, great. 
great. You don't love baseball and you like Batman movies. Get out of my house. Like, well, wow. you're gonna be you're gonna laugh what the title of our movie commentary podcast is. It is called BS Commentaries. Hey, I like that. But what's the BS for? Bullshit. Oh, it does actually stand for okay. It stands, I yeah, love it stands it. for bullshit. Absolutely. Hey, I will trash movies oh, or funny. I will talk. Uh, I will explain to anybody who's listening, including you two, why Shawshank Redemption is the greatest movie of all time until I die. I will talk okay. for hours about stuff like so. I am with you on that too. Wow. <laughs> Oh, this is great. <laughs> All right, Jason. Hey, thanks so much for your time, Brian. Uh, let's uh, let's go Mariners. Let's see if we can uh, get some wins wrapped up. Not Anytime, be eliminated guys. by Appreciate August, it. please. <laughs> Jason Churchill, everybody. And uh, Matt, I'm not going to lie. Um, that was fun. That was, fun. <laughs> that was, I, that was I so much like fun. I learned so much just now. <laughs> I think I, I think we all learned a little bit about Jason Churchill right now. I mean, that was that was definitely fun. Like the fact that he's actually going to be trashing uh, Marvel movies and everything. That's that's amazing. I'll trash. But um, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of him. I uh, no. I mean, well, here's the thing. Like, I don't mind Marvel. I don't like. I will say this. I love you know the Spider-Man movies. I love or not the not the new Spider-Man movies. I'm I'm talking about the old ones. Toby Maguire but, movies. Yeah, Toby Maguire movies. Why not? He's, I he's love OG. No, I do too. I'm, yeah, he's 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 the perfect actor to cry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, I mean, I love that he's uh that Jason was brutally honest, and I love how he's uh able to say these things. But uh, you know, um, I want to bring up a subject that I want you to talk about here because I'll I gotta go. Uh, I'll be right back. But um, you're gonna leave you, me here <laughs> just for about a minute. That's it. But I'll um, try. So the well, I'm pretty sure you can handle about 30 seconds. All That's right. probably what it's going to take seconds. me. I'll time. But uh, but the big thing that we were talking about, of course, is uh, the trade deadline or the trading, and of course Nelson Cruz. I mean that that's, I think that's a big player that the Mariners should target because if you know, if the Mariners are able to get back into this playoff race, if they're able to get back and you know get between you know three and five games back of 500 near the All Star break, and you're you're still in playoff contention. And you want to bolster that offense. That's the man to do it because, again, he he has been on a tear as as of the last two months. He's Nelson Cruz. Um, I mean, yeah, definitely make some moves, and Nelson Cruz would be great for the team and all. But I mean, only reason why I'd want Nelson Cruz is for the age. Uh, we do not have uh, veteran batters. I feel like uh, no one. I feel like is there anyone over the age of thirty that's actually batting right now for the Mariners? Um. I know we're a young team where we've been young all year. We don't seem to be getting any older uh, We're we need more discipline at the plate. And I think that's what Nelson Cruz could bring. I also think we could bring in bigger names. Uh, I know Juan Soto is out there jazz, obviously, but there's, I, I just don't see this season being the season where we make giant moves like big players for big players. Uh, I see our young prospects developing and I, don't see Nelson Cruz being an answer, but I do see him being a, a nice little addition to our young batters to maybe have a more veteran presence, especially in that lineup and in the locker room, because we discussed it last week. I don't mm -hmm. think we have a leader. No, you, we you mentioned JP Crawford. Yeah, I thought I, I really thought it. that JP Crawford was actually going to be the leader, but I guess I, I think I was wrong on that point. I think uh, because. It's I just, don't know. J.P. Crawford just doesn't seem like the guy that is um, the clubhouse leader. Um, so I forgot to mention this to Jason. I, I really to everybody out there. I apologize because I wanted to bring this up. But um, one prospect in general 
that I've been keeping an eye on, and I think a lot of people need to be keeping an eye on, is Harry Ford. Mm -hmm. I did you say I, you, you saw me bringing that up, didn't you? I saw you brought it up. Yeah, and I, I agree. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, first of all, Harry Ford um, met him last year at the ballpark. Um, a very nice kid, real, really nice kid. He's got, he does not really see anything as pressure from, from what I just meeting him. He doesn't look at this as, you know, Hey, I'm going to be one of the top pro because he's, I want to say he's going to be a top five prospect right after Kirby gets off the, the list. He's definitely going to be making that move into the top five or top 10 prospects for the Mariners. But he doesn't look at himself as a top 10 prospect. He just looks at himself as another player, which I love. I love the fact that Harry Ford is not, uh, he, he's, he's kind of giving me Julio Rodriguez type of vibes. He's, he, he's not looking at himself as a top prospect. He's not looking at himself as a star. He's not looking at himself as the guy who wants to, who's going to come into this, uh, who's going to come onto this team and he's going to help win this world series. He's just looking at himself as another player who is just going to help this team. And when I say help this team, it mean I mean winning, but he's not putting that pressure on himself, which I love. Which I think is what we need more of. I feel like mm -hmm. everyone has that pressure, especially with the hype that we had in this offseason. And we're going in like, oh, we're going to break that streak. And that's a lot of pressure, especially for these young guys. I mean, we're breaking a 20 plus year of not even smelling the playoffs. And it sucks. It, it sucks for the whole fan base. And that pressure especially from that fan base, it's it could, it's going to be a lot for these young kids. And that's why I like Nelson Cruz, though. I like Nelson Cruz because he's been under that pressure. He's been in situations to where he's been trying to help teams win. And why not come back and, and, and help them out? Because we need more teachers, hell of a lot more teachers in that in that clubhouse. And we, yeah, we don't have we any. We have a lot of do. students and students aren't going to win you a championship. We, we need a, we need some more leadership. Speaking of winning a championship, I wanted to go ahead and rub this in your fucking face right now. But uh, <laughs> Joel Damon, Joel Damon, you dub, you dub, um, is at the top of the leader <laughs> is at the top of the leaderboard in the in the U.S. Open. I love it. Um, I am. I don't know what the what the bet is on Joel Damon. I need to go to the I need to go to the Emerald Queen Casino tomorrow. Um, probably early enough because I mean the the odds. What are the odds on him to win the U.S. Open? Because uh, let's see. Because I'm not gonna lie. If if there is, if there is a bet to put down, I'm putting it down because um, um, because I I feel like he might actually have a chance to win it all. I might he might win it. Uh, two thousand plus two thousand. Ooh, that's a uh, not. It's not a bad payout. That's not bad. I mean, if you put a hundred dollars on, what is that? Two hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. so. Yeah. Um, I think that's how betting works. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I wish they could give you just like the odds, like 50 to 1 odds. Like, you know, you put a $200 bet and that's what, uh, 10 grand? That's, yeah, that's, I think that's 10. No. Yeah, that, that is 10 grand. I think. 10 grand. Jeez. I think that is 10 grand. Because a friend of mine, he put a bet on like the, the odds or whatever. He put it, it was uh, on the Bengals. He won $10,000. It was a 200 to 1 shot. Yeah. Uh, to win the NFC, the, the AFC Championship, when they were down in the first quarter, he put a, he put a two hundred dollar bet on them, <laughs> or no, he put a he put a, a fifty dollar bet on them, fifty dollar bet on them. So that's that's ten grand, okay. But um, so bet but online I mean, has him at twenty two, That's good. I take that okay, one. Okay, okay, yeah. Put a bet down for us. Put a bet. My, uh, put, why put not? It, 
<laughs> yeah, put a hundred, dude. Put a hundred dollar bet on them, and we'll split the we'll split the winnings. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll I'll take all the risk, and we'll just split it. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm saying this. It, it, I, here's the thing: we'll split the winnings, but if you lose, I'm still going to split it with you. I'm still going right. to pay my half. Deal. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, no, I'm I'm not going to lie. So uh, we have possibly now Jason Churchill lined up for the 100th podcast. That's going to be fun. Uh, for everybody out there wondering about the 100 podcast, it's probably going to be a near three hour show because um, I want to go ahead and spoil a couple of the guests right now. We have uh, from Cigar Thoughts, we have Jackson Bevins. He's going to come on uh, right away to talk Seahawks with us. Really looking forward to talking with him. We have uh, JT Brown, uh, the Root Sports analyst and former NHL player, color analyst for Root Sports uh, for the Seattle Kraken coming on to the show. I just messaged him and uh, John Forslund is uh, possibly going to be joining us as well. K hearts. I, I think K heart is really going to enjoy that segment to be able to talk with both Forslund and, uh, uh, and, uh, and Forslund or both Forslund and Brown, because, uh, uh, you know, he K hearts, K hearts been a big, big, uh, partner here at Seattle sports Series because he's been, again, he's been that guy that's, uh, helped watch two games at one or two, teams at once and then uh want to go ahead and reveal this but uh mario bailey university of washington legend university of football washington legend mario bailey will be joining us on the show so that's four big guests still working on some more guests i'm still working on it i'm still because i really want this 100 podcast to be a big banger but so far so far the show is actually going to be a banger no matter what i'll always talk some husky football uh, yeah right uh-huh. yeah that's how many national titles but i'm got. not i'm not one of those guys i'm not one of those trolls. oh <laughs> let's talk about national championships no i won't go there. Uh, but, fake um, national titles oh uh, yeah okay it's fine fake how do you <laughs> say how do you, how do you say fake come anything, on anything before they played an actual national championship game is a fake national oh championship. my god give me a break oh we will give me people. a break you split give one. me a break <laughs> But anyway, no, I, um, I'm not one of the trolls that are going to be an asshole towards Husky fans. This is not me. I'm a Duck fan. Yes, but I'm not one like, oh, fuck the Huskies. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, we beat you so many times, but you put up 70. Good job. But no, I, I won't. I, I, I'll be, well, I'll I mean, be cool. I'll be cool. Let, let me on. Let, let me play a little Husky football with you. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, anyway, so uh, but getting back onto the Mariners, let's go ahead and talk about this. You know, I mean, the the recent struggles have been really bad for the Mariners with the with, um, you know, uh, the offense and everything. But, uh, oh, look, you decided to join us. K-Hart's here. Oh, what? look at him. Look at him. He's getting what? ready for he's getting ready for the Ninja Turtle video game. I see that. I uh, see you. That's not why I was late. You don't y'all didn't see nothing. <laughs> uh huh. OK, sure, sure, sure. Let's let. But uh uh so matt before we get off so let's just uh finish this up and uh k hart and i can get to talking some hockey but uh, i wanted to go ahead and spoil this for k hart so i have a very special surprise for you so for the 100th podcast for our hockey segment we have jt brown coming on the show and we have john forslin coming on okay so <laughs> i wanted to i wanted to announce that to you because I know that that's going to be a special moment for you. Wow, that's that's some big stuff. Yeah, we're and uh, so so again, Matt. Uh, last thing before we get out of here. Um, so with the with the offensive struggles that the Mariners have been having, I think the big positive that we can look at though is our pitching. 
Absolutely. Because our pitch, our starting pitchers have been absolutely wowing us. Robbie Ray, out. Robbie Ray has been improving. He's getting better. And I mean, it's just, it's tough to see these pitchers get these losses because they don't deserve it. Especially um, after uh, I want to say Marco Gonzalez's start on YouTube. Uh, it's they're all getting the Felix Hernandez treatment and it sucks. <laughs> the bats are dead and they're all pitching outstanding. It's, mm-hmm. it just seems like that's the Mariner curse is we have great pitching and horrible hitting. It's, it is what it is, but the bats will wake up eventually might not be this Hope year, so. but it'll probably be next year. <laughs> Hope so, but, um, uh, before we get, before we get that, this done, I, I, we posted this on, on social media or on Twitter the other day, but I think a managerial shakeup is kind of needed and you know some people did downplay the idea of joe madden coming up in here but how about this if you fire scott service how about you promote christopher negron to the manager because it seemed like the players gelled really well with christopher negron as their manager for just a couple games i'm not ready to say sayonara to service it's been a tough year okay, it's, it's just it hasn't been a. Uh, uh, I don't know. We're just so injury plagued and we're, we're not hitting the ball. And I don't think that's on service. I, I, I think he's doing all he possibly can with moves and changing the lineup and sending guys down and bringing them up. But when we have injuries to our, some of our best hitters, it's, it's a rough season and I I don't blame him. I, I don't blame him at all. I'm not ready yet. If we completely fail and tank the rest of the year, well, let's talk about it in the off season about getting rid of them, but not in the middle of this. Not, not yet. Fair enough. All right, Matt. Well, that is going to do it for this uh, Mariners segment. Uh, an hour of Mariners talk. That's actually That's really a special. That's a lot. I mean, I mean, until football season rolls around, we got to talk at least between you know forty and forty-five minutes to an hour of baseball. But uh, it kind of kind of reminds me what me and K Hart did yesterday or a couple of days ago. How we had to suffer through seven episodes of horrible anime. Yeah, not a fan. <laughs> all right man well i'll talk to you next friday brother all right take care later and there we go and here's k hart our uh amazing hockey co-host is back what's up dude what's up y'all um it's here you know the finals it just the days are just the finales long. yeah mm-hmm. and uh, you know what i'm not gonna lie we had a really good uh first game one I- i'm not gonna lie i mean it was uh it was kind of interesting to, to to be truly honest, I mean, I would I did not when I saw the score is three to one. When you see the Colorado Avalanche up three to one yeah. in the first period, you you start to think that maybe this the 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 game might be in control of the Colorado Avalanche, and that wasn't the right. case because right. I mean Tampa Bay they controlled the zone. Yes, they, that, that's exactly what they did. They they did the opposite of what they did in the first period. They controlled the zone. The almost the entire second period, we're able to get uh, two goals, tie the tie the score up three three, and then of course in the third period, both te- both teams were very even. It was yeah. it was a very even third period, goes to uh, overtime. But of course in the overtime, this is the one thing that really surprised me about the the third period. What the fuck was Pat Maroon thinking? I, I get. I mean that that was one of the dumbest penalties I've ever seen. A veteran player like Pat Maroon take. I just forgot where he was. What can I say? <laughs> just forgot where he was on the ice. It was a delayed game, right? 
Um, yeah, it was a delay yeah, game. It was, just, and you know, but I mean, you know, I was, I would, you know, I, I think there was about, I think there was about a minute and a half left into the game. I was very, very surprised, though, that the Colorado Avalanche didn't end it there. But, of course, they ended it right away in uh, in overtime. Yeah, so I, th- that wasn't true overtime because I don't even think Tampa really got possession. No, they, they did not have any. Yeah, I don't think they had possession, it. two shots, and that was the game. It's like that's not really overtime. You know what I mean? No. So. No, but, I mean, you know, it, it, it's interesting to see how game one did uh, kind of show that uh, – that, you know, when you let off the gas, that's when the team that's when the team who is down can actually get a chance to come back. And that's all. And that's exactly what happened. You know, Colorado could have easily lost this game. Oh, they could have easily fun. lost this game because, again, what happened in the first period is that Colorado was it was just vicious. They were vicious when it came to the offensive possession. They had I want to say they had the offense, the, the possession for about 65 percent of the first period. And. When you can, when you have possession for that long in one period, you know you're gonna, you know you're gonna be ending up leading by the end of that period. If not, you're gonna be ahead by a goal. But right. in this case, you know that wasn't the case. They were up by, t- they were up by, uh, by two goals at the end of the first period, and, and people thought that you know, hey, maybe they're gonna be keep doing this the whole game. No, instead, no. Colorado just took took their foot right off the gas in the second period. They allowed Tampa Bay to get back into this game, and honestly, this was really anybody's game. It was really anybody's game by the third period. So I don't want to be that guy, but I will be just for a sec. <laughs> this is the hardest team Colorado has faced so far. They blew by Nashville. Uh, things I kind of dice with St. Louis, and then they 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 curb stomp Edmonton. So this is the first difficult team. So they can't do what they did in game one. They can't do it again because I, I I don't see the same thing happening twice where they go by two. Ah, uh, you know, we're Colorado, we're going to win just because I don't think it's going to happen like that a second time. Um, so they cannot do that again. You know, no, they, they, they really, they can, they cannot do that again because I'm, I'm being honest If they, if they were to do that again, then I feel like Tampa Bay might take this probably in five games, if not six games, but mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't think I see this series. I don't, we've, we said it, I think we said it in the last podcast. We don't see this game. We don't see this series going a full seven games. A lot of people want it to go a full seven games, but it's yeah. just, I don't think it's going, I don't think neither of us think it's going to happen. No, I don't. I think I don't. It, it's going to end in six games, no matter who wins it. Um, right. I mean, so first off, you know, it's very rare that you get a matchup that everybody wants universally. It's first off, that's very rare. So we should mm-hmm. be thankful we even have this matchup to begin with for it to go to seven. I don't see that happening. I, I don't see it because you have two powerhouses and one doesn't have really good goaltending and the other one really does. So for the abs, they got to light it up. They got to fill that net up. But at the same time, look who's across the way. They're not going to get, you know, five, six goals every game like they did with Edmonton. They're not going to do that. So no, they really aren't. And, and, you know, granted, like you said, no, I agree with you 100%. This really is the hardest team that, uh, Tampa Bay has faced all year because I mean, really you do have the two best teams in the NHL right now. You have the two best because I I know a lot of people don't want to hear it, especially when it comes to, you know, the Tampa Bay lightning, but you know, the, the, when it it does, you do not get to the Stanley cup by being a pushover team. You just don't. And 
Tampa Bay's not been it, Tampa Bay hasn't been a pushover for what now the last uh, four or five seasons. They haven't been a pushover. They've been well, a good team. I mean, team. they did get swept in nineteen, so we'll say three years because they okay. were quite literally a pushover at that point. Um, okay, but before that's, that, that's no, fair. they weren't. Okay, so so we'll say three years. We'll say yeah. three years, but no, I mean, you know, Tampa Bay is just one of those teams that you know they've done the work. They've actually signed the players that they need to sign to get to this position. And they've sort and they've built a dynasty. I, I well, I don't want to say dynasty because I don't. Well, I don't know. I'm, you're not. I don't know wrong. exactly what a, what an NHL dynasty is. I don't think a lot of us don't think there there's such thing as an NHL. We don't have one. We have. Yeah, we, we don't. Have one. We haven't had one. We so, one. but it. This is the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand. It's very difficult to win a Stanley Cup. It's damn near impossible to win two straight Stanley Cups. But to win three straight Stanley Cups, you need everything to fall into place. And Tampa Bay, I think, might have actually just, they might have seen the end of their leash on this one because they are going up against perhaps one of the top scoring uh, offensive teams in the NHL. They're going up against a team that has a great, that has great goaltending, that has great defense. But in this case, in game one, Colorado didn't really have that great of defense when it came to the second period. They Colorado can't let that happen again because if they do what they did in the second period for the rest of the series, I think Tampa Bay might actually take this this series away from them. So what you have to understand is, not you personally, but you know what viewers should understand is <laughs> this is the team that went down 0-2 and, and then 0-2 in their own house. And then they never lost until game one. They won mm -hmm. four straight games. Yeah, so, I mean, well, not four straight, but you know what I mean. Like they, they, they won and won and won, and then you know they got tied up. Then it went to seven. But um, it's not easy. It's it's not easy. But this is the team that they know how to win. You know, um, I have to draw a parallel to a certain team who just won the other day, um, <laughs> less than twenty four hours ago. Uh, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, they are. A I, I had a feeling. I had a feeling that he was just going to bring them up. Not even. But 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 it was valid though, and here's why. Because all right, fine. All right, it's fine. It's like, fucking valid. Like the Warriors, the Lightning were also you know homemade. They're home built. They every, yeah. All everything they have, minus like Corey Perry and Patrick Maroon, is from the draft. Vasilevsky is from the draft. Um, not okay. Not McDonald. He's from the Rangers. But um, you know. Sergachev, uh, Samkos, Kucherov, those are all guys that they got through the draft, right? Same thing with the Warriors. They know how to win. Last night, I'm not going to go into too, last night too deep, but last night the Warriors, <laughs> it was 22 to 8 at one point in the game, and the final score was 103 to 90, right? <laughs> so this is both of these teams have a lot of resilience. So just. I would hand Colorado the cup just yet. I really would. No, I, I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to go ahead and hand them the cup oh, because yeah. I, I don't, I think that would be, I think that would be very ignorant and stupid yeah. to just hand Colorado the cup. Yeah, now, it's I, now, not that easy. Yeah, do I believe, do I, am I going to stick with my abs and six? Yeah, I'll stick with it. But I'm saying this though. If I think if Tampa Bay, 
I, uh, is the game's tomorrow, right? No, the game's, game's tomorrow. I don't, it should be yeah. tonight. I don't know why they. Did I don't know that why. I don't schedule. know why they took three days off. That that doesn't yeah. make any damn sense. But no, the game's tomorrow night, and it's in Tampa Bay, right? Yes. No. No. Yeah, no, no. No. Game two is in. Uh, it's game two. That's how long it's been. It's only game two. It's not even game three. It's oh. game two in Colorado. Again, don't okay. know why they're taking that long break for it to still be in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and then, of course, uh, Monday is game three, which is in Tampa Bay. So that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense to me why, why they would play. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. But anyway, no, I, you know, if Colorado wins tomorrow, uh, to me, they would need to win in a fashion like five to three or six to two, something like that, to where mm-hmm. I would actually have to say that the Lightning may not have a chance. I'm not going to go ahead now if, you know, if. If Colorado takes a two game to lead, two games to none lead, it's not over. Yes, it really is not over. Hockey is one of the most tricky playoff type of games ever, where you can go down two nothing, and you and you're still in it. Yeah. But I'm saying this: if Tampa Bay goes down three games to none, it's over. It. It's I don't, over. I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it no, going I, that I, far. I, I don't see it. I do not see it going like that. I see the. I see Colorado. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it on this one. I see okay. the series getting knotted up tomorrow. I feel like I see the series getting knotted up tomorrow, and it goes back and forth. Where we got a two-two series. I, I have a strange feeling that yeah. this series is gonna go two games to two, and then all of a sudden the Avs are gonna say, "Fuck it, we're gonna get serious. We're gonna win the next two games. We're winning the cup." That's how I kind of see it. I for some stupid reason I'm seeing it like that. Okay. All right. Um, I don't know why. <sighs> I can't. Okay. So how about? So here's the other thing. I can't remember the last time we had two teams that are so offensively strong. Like both teams have heavy hitters on the offense. I can't remember the last time we've had that. It's mm-hmm. been a long time. Uh, but this is going to be a high scoring series, no matter what, no matter who wins, whether it's you know, oh, lightning. Definitely. Oh, it's going to be a high scoring series. No, um, I believe it is going to, and, and here's the thing. This is what I loved about this, uh, about this playoff, for, about this playoffs for the NHL. This is what I've loved is that it has been high scoring. It has been yeah. exciting hockey. You know, if we were to see, you know, two straight overtime games of uh, three to two wins. You know, I'm still saying it's an exciting uh, NHL, but, but I think the fans in general have been loving this high scoring uh, stuff. And, you know, because you, when, when you think of hockey, you don't really think of guys actually, you don't think of teams getting five or six goals in, in, in games, but in this playoffs, we saw a lot of teams score five to six goals and even nine yeah. goals at one point. Yeah. So it's been so fun to watch. And like you said, we we as hockey fans got the matchup that we wanted. Mm-hmm. It's Tampa Bay and Colorado, the perhaps in my opinion, the two best teams in the NHL, locking horns. And uh, yeah, I mean it, it's it's going to be an exciting series. I look forward to seeing this. I like. It, it, and here's the thing, I think we're getting spoiled as hockey fans because it doesn't matter who wins this series. Either way, you have Colorado, who is a young, exciting team, hoisting their first NHL title since uh, twenty years. Twenty years, Jesus, twenty years, Jesus Christ! Mm-hmm. So they're 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 well, at least they've been to the playoffs more recent than the Mariners, <laughs> Jesus Christ! But but again, so 
so it's it. <laughs> I knew he was gonna say that. I'm like, well, I mean, come. On. Yeah, I got to make fun of it. It, it, it. It's it's no longer painful anymore. It's just embarrassing. But no, I mean, we get the Colorado Avalanche winning their first Stanley Cup um, in 20 years, or we get to see a three-peat. And when was the last time? So three-peats in uh, the NHL. Oh, this one, I got this one if you, you ain't got to look it up. So the last time we had a team win that many in a row was the Islanders. Okay. Way before our time. Well, you might have been around for it, but I know I wasn't. Well, how old do you think I am? <laughs> I'm just Jesus kidding. Christ. It's just before you, though. It's just okay, when was you. it? When was it? Let me see. Because I know the Oilers did it too. Uh, okay. So I think the Islanders was eighty through eighty-four. Oh, dude, I was I wasn't even thought of at that I point. Know. I'm I'm fucking with you. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this dude over here thinking I'm fucking fifty years old. Nah, Jesus Christ. I mean, nah, nah, still no. Um, and then the Oilers did it too, but they but they the Oilers did more back to backs than. I think they did three straight once, but mm. you know. So quite- I will say this though: the so the last time that we did see a three-peat, it was thirty-nine years ago. Mm. Thirty-nine years ago, it was the New York Islanders, as you said, eighty to eighty-three, and oh, eighty-three, and yeah, I was really not thought of at that point. <laughs> but I'm not gonna lie; I mean, it's it's just been it's. It's so exciting that we actually do get to get spoiled as hockey fans, because even though our teams are not in the Stanley Cup, at least we get to watch the two best go at it. And that's the thing that uh, so uh, a big thing that I also wanted to talk about is the John Gibson situation in Anaheim, Okay, because this is something that I think a lot of because uh, as a lot of people do know, or if you don't know, we are mostly talking Kraken and Ducks. We do that all during the season. But of course, as with the Stanley Cup, we just love talking hockey. But in this case now, it's it's serious because John Gibson, he wants out. Mm. I, I I don't know if he wants out or not, but it's but it's it's kind of looking like that the that he's just fed up with this. He he's fed up with losing. He wants to get back to the NHL playoffs. He's not that far from it. No, he really is not. I feel I feel like next year the the Anaheim Ducks will get into the playoffs. I feel like that if if John Gibson sticks around. Well, it's well to be quite honest with you. John Gibson's not the problem. John Gibson has not been the problem. The problem is the lineups we've been having. So to put into perspective, this is the first time in a long time where we have a new GM, or a new GM and a lot of money. We have what is it, forty-eight million to to play with. Mm-hmm. So, in years past, it's been. And we only got like, you know, five, six, seven million. Let's go get some third and fourth liners. This year, no Gessov on the books, no Perry on the books, mm-hmm. no Kessler on the books, even. I think I think he's about to be off too. So well, that's good. This is the time to go get those players. So I already know for a fact we're not gonna get some third and fourth liners who were good in like 2012. We're not getting those guys. We're not getting them. You're gonna get the somebody serious guys. Just don't know who. You're getting the serious guys. We're which, getting is, the good, which is good. Score. We're not getting, because, yeah. So uh, I told you this before. Uh, you know, my first NHL game. I told myself my first NHL game needs to either be a, had to be a Kraken or a Ducks game. Yeah. Last November, I get to go to my first ever NHL NHL uh, game, and who the hell played? It was the Kraken versus the Ducks. Yeah. And I was really, and I'm not gonna lie, I felt spoiled in that moment because I got to watch Ryan Getzlav for the first time ever play on the ice. 
So I'm glad I actually got to watch one of his games. But, you know, what I saw from the Ducks in that one is it's this is a special team. This is a special team. But now that you don't have Ryan Getzlav on the books, now that you don't have Perry on the books, now that you don't possibly have Kessler on the books anymore. I got to check that, but yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm just saying, but yeah. I mean, if if you don't have two out of three of those guys on the books, you you have a big time opportunity to make a big splash in the free agent market. And that's exactly what the Anaheim Ducks have not had in. God, how long has it been? How long has been, it been? Well, let's see. Those contracts were signed. I want to say around 2013, 14. Oh, OK. So those were nine year contracts. So both of them should be about up. And then get and then Kessler came uh, the summer of 2014. So his contract should be about up too. Man, I that that that's honestly a name that I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> I know, right? If it, if, but, if it wasn't for his injury, he might still be playing right now. Oh no, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, I think another team that can actually make a big splash in the in the uh, free agent market is, of course, uh, the the Seattle Kraken. You know, we we talked about it last week. We talked about the potential uh, targets that the that the Kraken should and must take, but in actuality we have no idea <laughs> no idea who these guys who who the kraken want because you know they're from what from what i've been reading and from what i've been uh, listening to on the radio that you know the kraken are not they don't want they're not it's not time for them to make a stanley cup run it's not time for them to do it right now because um they want to build that farm system they want to build that young core of of, of new generation players they want Maddie Beneers to get that uh, experience so that way he could possibly be the leader here in a couple of years. Uh, you know, with uh, I love the, I do love this. One of my, my favorite signings in this past offseason or this past season by the Kraken was signing James McCann to a five year deal. That was a great, great signing that the Kraken made because I feel like James McCann is that leader that the Kraken need along with Yanni Gord. <sighs> Where do I start with the Kraken? I mean, I, I guess, <laughs> I guess, it, it, like I said, like I mentioned, I think it was a few weeks ago. What do you want to do? And I don't, and I'm not inside the locker room. I'm not inside the front office. I don't know what they want to do. Obviously, they want to win a championship. Right now is not the time. The team's just not there yet. You know, the right guys aren't there yet. You, you can only, you can't win a championship on just you know love, magic, and uh, fairies. This is not how it happens, unfortunately. Trust me, I know. Yeah, uh, but they're just not there yet. They just have to get the right guys, and then the right guys have to develop. Like Maddie, like you said, I'm not gonna talk about the draft because I don't know nothing about prospects. Don't ask Neither me. Neither do I. I'm not forte. Neither do I. So they got to draft really well too. I think they have quite a few picks in this draft. Again, don't know who to draft. Couldn't tell you, uh, but go crazy. So I'm looking at the NHL draft right now. Let's go ahead and see. Uh, so let's go ahead and see which te- uh, how many picks that the Kraken have because this should be interesting to see. This should be very, very interesting to see. Um, so let's see. I'm trying to find it. So the Kraken have the fourth pick in the draft. Right. They have, let's see. Okay, they only show one round sheet. Well, that's real fucking. That's 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 helpful. Uh, <laughs> let's go ahead. All right, so uh, here we go. Now maybe this will bring it up. So 
the order, the draft order, hopefully. So Kraken are fourth. Um, okay, that's really not helping. So I'm not getting the the whole thing, but I think from I think the Kraken might have between four and five picks in this draft. Okay. That's which, a pretty decent number. Yeah, that's I mean that's a fair decent number. out of I seven think, rounds. That's you can't ask for much. I mean, well, you could obviously. But they like, might that's not bad. They might start. have more picks. They might yeah. have more picks. I need a. Oops. Accidentally clicked a button right there on my on my mic. So let me go ahead and look this up. So Seattle Kraken. Here we go. Draft picks. So let's see. This will probably give us a good. Um, this might actually get it. So let's see. Draft picks. So While I'm looking he's up on, looking. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm just going to say. You know, stay off the internet, stay off Twitter, you know, don't get full and bamboozled. Don't let all these, you know, Twitter analysts gas up all these names because you, you, you've you never seen them your damn self. So how are you going to know they're good? You exactly. All right. Just trust the so process. I so I have it right here. So they so they have a first round pick, a second round pick, third round a four. So they have one, two, three, four, seven picks. There you go. Seven That's picks cool. in the draft. So one I mean. That's a good fair amount of picks because what I was looking at originally, if you were to look at these picks, if the if the uh, if the Kraken never traded picks, mm -hmm. they would have had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like 10? 10, 11, 12 picks Damn, in the draft. Right. 12 picks in the draft that they hadn't yeah. traded five of them. But I mean no, I think that's a still a good amount of picks for a team to definitely build their build the team build a team around and uh, get pretty decent prospects out of it to where they can develop in Coachella. Which, first of all, I love the fact that their AHL team is in Coachella. I love that. That that right. is hilarious. Right, right. Oh, and, and, go ahead. And the and the best part about it is the name, the Coachella Firebirds. That's uh that's quite a name, Firebirds. <laughs> okay. So here's a good question for you. Are you yeah. gonna go down to are you gonna go to Coachella and watch the Kraken uh future play? Oh Jesus, I'm nowhere near Coachella. <laughs> nowhere near. <laughs> the last time I was near Coachella, uh the or the last time I was in Coachella was actually I was driving through it when I was coming when I was moving back up here to Washington. Oh, okay. Drove drove twenty-six hours, got all Got from Arizona all the way up to Washington in 26 hours. And that was and that was taken, I want to say, about a three or six or five hour break or whatever. Oh, okay. <laughs> so not too bad. But either way, you know, the, the, the Kraken definitely have a good outlook on what they want to do here for the future. You know, they want because um, right now also uh, I had the uh, the picks for the 2023 so this ought to be interesting. So as I'm looking at it, the 2023. Mm, I, I was off on that one because some of them might not be here. <laughs> some of them picks I, I understand here. that. But yeah. as of as it sits right now, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven picks. Yeah. Or was that the okay? That was a 2023 one. Okay, sorry. I I was or that was 2024. As of 2023, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So they have seven. So they have seven picks. Right. They have seven picks in these next three years of drafts. 
So they really do have a good opportunity to definitely build a possible Stanley Cup go-getter type of team. And the team could be ready to compete by 2024, which, yeah. look, if it means that we have to build up and build a team to get to the playoffs, perfectly fine with it. I am perfectly mm -hmm. fine with this expansion team doing building a team the right way. Like you said, the Tampa Bay Lightning are homegrown. They built from the draft. Let's do exactly what the Tampa Bay Lightning are doing because I'm not going to lie. If the if the the Lightning can do it, let the Kraken do it because if it gets us into three straight Stanley Cups, I'm not going to bitch one bit that we had, you know, three terrible seasons. Right. Right. Oh, the other thing I want to say, for a lot of mm -hmm. you guys, this might be a first draft. Don't fall in love with who gets drafted. The reason no. why I say that is because not all of them are going to make the team. There are countless guys I've seen drafted who never made and you And you are actually speaking on what John Forslund has yes. uh, uh, yes. said on this podcast as well. You do not want to bank on these first-round picks. Right. Matty Beneers was definitely a pick that I think – People, including myself, I'll admit it, were oozing over because we were very excited about the the, the talent level of Matty Beneers. And we saw a little bit of a shine in the first 10 games, but that was just a small sample. Right. We have no idea what Matty Beneers is going to do with a full season. And this upcoming season is going to be his first full season. And I don't know. I don't know. Do you do you give that kid the first line? Do you give him that first line or do you or do you? move him in as a possible second or third. I, I well, I want to say you move him in as the second line. If not, you put him, you just give him those, those small reps at third line. What do you have to lose? Absolutely nothing. What do you have to lose? <laughs> nothing. I, the same thing I say with cigarettes. You know, I, I had, once again, stay off Twitter. I had a whole bunch of people tell me he's not ready. He needs more seasoning, blah, blah, blah. This Horse dude is killing it right now. I'm just saying Trevor Zegers, in my opinion, is one of the, it is probably uh, one of, if not the face of the league, because he's making everything so much fun to watch. Um, yeah. Whereas I'm not going to lie. I think Trevor Zegers needs to be on the cover of NHL next year, but be. we don't know. I, I hope so. I hope so. We don't get to vote anymore. So who knows? Who knows? Um, but I mean, uh I'm not going to lie. Look, Connor McDavid is a great hockey player. Austin Matthews is a great player. But to me, I just don't think that they're they're face of the league type of players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, cheaters can't be face of the league. No, you cannot cheat your girlfriend and be the face of the league. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, like Trevor Zegers saying, does seem like that type of guy who yeah. should be the face of the league because, you know, he got kids doing the Michigan move. He got kids doing it, like doing TikToks and everything of what yeah. he did. People, When you have when you have young hockey play, hockey fans like kids the the ages that they were doing on TikTok when you have kids doing the moves that he's doing that needs to be the face of the league yeah i mean look would i be i would i would kill for the kraken if if it meant trading all seven picks to get trevor zegers on the team do it <laughs> i would love to i would kill to have trevor zegers to be a kraken that'd be my favorite jersey ever I'm about to turn my camera off, and I'm like, nah, let me not do that. <laughs> See, I um, knew you were going to say that. Um, Yeah, no. Um, But, yeah, y'all be good, though. <laughs> y'all No, good but, I mean, I mean, well, I'll say this. Uh, the, Trevor Seekers is going to be a duck for a long time. The, if the Anaheim Ducks don't sign him to an extension, 
um, later this year, if not next. How about you trade us all seven of those first round those um, (laughs) those those picks, and we'll give and the city of Anaheim will give you Mike Trout. That's a good trade, right? That's still acceptable, (laughs) right? You know what? I'm not gonna lie. If if the Kraken can trade all seven picks to the Ducks. And the and the Mariners get Mike Trout. Let's there you do go, it, right? Let's Boom. Do it. <laughs> Problem solved. You know what I'm saying? You know. Hey, I try to stay out of angel business. I'm just saying. <laughs> I see you trying to get. I see you trying to recruit. I'm surprised you're not going after Otani. I don't talk baseball. I'm just. Saying. I will say. I'm not gonna lie. So this yeah. is this is me. I think in free agency when Otani becomes a free agent, he's gone from the Angels. He's gonna go to New York. I have a feeling he's mm, not, the reason mm. the reason why I think he's going to go to New York is because of that stupid short porch. He'll hit 60 to 70 home runs a game. Or a season, excuse me, a season, not a game. It's not softball. Uh, I don't know. So honestly, like I said, I don't talk baseball. Don't ask me about baseball, but I will say this. <laughs> it's either New York. LA or possibly Boston. Three teams that have the deepest pockets in the league. Wow, you're you're really throwing the Red Sox in that category. I'm throwing the Sox in there. Cause I know because I I know they didn't want to give up Mookie Betts. I know they didn't, and I know they're still kicking themselves for it. So oh, I I, I'm I I don't doubt that they're kicking yeah. themselves. I really don't doubt that yeah. the that they are kicking themselves for letting Mookie Betts go because right. I mean, he is just absolutely tearing it up in, in Los Angeles, but I'm not going to lie. You know, the, um, so I do have to ask you this. You're wearing that Ninja Turtle shirt because you're getting ready for, uh, sh- uh, the return of shredder. Aren't you? Yes. Yes, I am. So here's the thing. I'm actually going on the PlayStation store right now and I, I don't want to see how much it is and I want to buy it. Oh, it's, it's sub $25. Oh, $25. Okay. It's under, the hell it's under. It? it should be under $25. The hell with it then. I'm getting it. I'm, I'm gonna yeah. play. I'm gonna get. No, that yeah, game. it's under 25 hours on any platform, whether it's Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, PC, whatever. Yeah. There you go. But um, so so getting back to hockey talk though, mm-hmm. because I want to talk a little bit more about this. So, um, with with both the Ducks and the Kraken, you know, because I I I think I want to kind of kind of compare both the Ducks and the Kraken. They're almost the, the exact same team, almost. And when I say almost, I say they're almost the exact same team because the Kraken definitely could have won more games than they lost, but it was the defense that really was the downfall. And that was the same thing with the Ducks. The defense let let John Gibson down a lot of the time. So they really are kind of similar in that way. Yeah, they are. But, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I usually have some creative catch phrase. I didn't have one this week. I just saw that on the fly, but keep going. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like that. Uh, that. Oh, okay. Hold on a second. We got a shredder. Oh, I can save ten percent on it, so I'm buying it right now. I'm buying it right now. But uh, yeah. So I don't know. I feel like that the that the Kraken can make a playoff run here in about a couple of years. You know, they do, they definitely do need to get ready when it comes. They definitely do need to get ready with the, pl- with the, with the draft picks and all that stuff. They need to uh, definitely, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's complicated. Hockey is a very complicated game in, 
the in the way that you know you have no idea what you're going to get when it comes to the draft because like you said you you can't bank on you you just cannot bank on draft picks to save your team that doesn't that's not how it works that's not how it works in any sport i mean really the only time that i see you know draft picks save your team is in the nfl and 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 they're mostly like late round picks that help save your team it's not those first rounders that count because (laughs) What what kills me about people is that people think that oh he's a first rounder so he's so he's going to be a star in the league. That's not how it works. It's really not. That's not how it works. You can, you just you can't have a star when in the in the first round and think that oh we're gonna uh, we're gonna finally you know get that player that we need to make a Stanley Cup run. That's not how it works. Hockey can't hockey can't work with one player. Mm-hmm. It need you need to have you need to have at least ten good players surrounding that team before you can even think about a Stanley Cup run. Right. So temper expectations this year. All right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I got nothing else. <laughs> no, I don't got anything else. But uh just to let you guys know, uh the new podcast for BS commentaries just came out. Um the the info on it is if you want to listen to us suffer for over two and a half hours, then that's the podcast you want to listen to because both me and K Hart were we were suffering. We were we were suffering yeah. through two and a half hours of just terrible episodes. Yeah. But I did look them up. I did look up the last six episodes. And guess what? We're gonna get rewarded. We're gonna get rewarded. All we're right. Get, we're getting rewarded. We are getting rewarded with nothing but action-packed episodes. And the funny thing is, is that uh so the last the last six episodes, I think, are all three parters. Which is hilarious, because if it was in the Yu-Gi-Oh, it was if, if it was in America, that would take between five and six parts. Yeah, that's usually how it works out here. <laughs> kind of slow. Man, Americans yeah. are slow. <laughs> but that is uh, gonna do it with uh, K Hart. I will uh, talk to you next Wednesday on BS Commentaries, and I will, of course, see you back here next Friday on the podcast. Y'all be good. Later, dude. Don't do crack. Don't do crack. That is that is gonna do it for this episode of BS Commentary or BS Commentary Seattle Sports Diaries. Uh, be sure to uh, check us out next Friday. And as a and when this podcast ends, the countdown is now going to be at eight eight more podcasts to number one hundred. Goodbye.